Hey everybody, this is Damien. In this conversation, I sat down with Caleb Grover and Kelly Winkler, who together make up Shielding Innocence. And I spent a few minutes getting to know them, a little bit of their story. Also, we talked about how Shielding Innocence came about, as well as what people who participate in this seminar can expect and how you might be able to prepare yourselves to come share in this great information. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm glad that I'm with you guys now, and I know you both, but I think it would be great to start with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves. I'm Kelly Winkler. I'm one half of Shielding Innocence, and a little bit about me is I grew up around Orlando, so this is a very familiar area for me, meaning I went to Redbug, Tuscaloosa, Lake Howell, so mm. I just lived in the area since I was 11, and went to Willow Creek Church. I mean, just grew up in the church and uh, played basketball, actually, uh, in high Mm. school and in college. And oddly enough, after um, majoring in English and in journalism, I just, I became a teacher. And after becoming a teacher around so many students, I found myself so interested in their hearts and their Mm. journal entries Mm. and not very interested in their grammar, which (laughs) made me not a good English teacher. (laughs) But, um, But from there found Reformed Theological Seminary to pursue a degree in counseling. Mm. And once there, I met my wonderful husband, Mike. Mm. I met Mike Winkler there, who had never been to a high school basketball game in his life till I met him. And um, we got married, um, opened up a counseling practice together. And uh, we have Alicia, who's 11, and Ewan, who's 9, and Mia, who is 6. And so, um, you know, it has been a wonderful journey uh, in this area to go from kind of someone just kind of grew up here into my calling and my marriage mm-hmm. and having my kids right here in the same kind of area that I grew up in. That's great. Thank you. I'm glad that you're with us for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Caleb? Oh, my name is Caleb Grover and I am from California. And so really one of the reasons, you know, and I talk about this all the time in counseling that I practice is because of the suffering that God has redeemed. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was a senior in high school, my dad divorced my mom and married another woman on the same day he divorced my mother. Mm. And because of that great suffering, I kind of walked away from the Lord and then came back. And then as I, um, as he redeemed that, and as I worked through my story, he called me into the ministry. So I moved out from California here to go to Reformed Theological Seminary. And um, in that process, um, married my wife, Becky, and we... Um, she really encouraged me. She said, you, you really need to get a counseling degree. Mm. And so I, um, you know, I thought, hey, I'm going to be a pastor and, you know, going to be trying to help people change from the pulpit. And so why don't I get a counseling degree to help augment what I'm doing in the pastorate? And she she really encouraged me to do that. And so I got a counseling degree and fell in love with it. Mm. And we, um, you know, so just you know, decided to become a counselor rather than become a pastor and, you know, really have loved, you know, discipling, you know, and, and really, you know, feel like, you know, counseling is a way to disciple people and help people mm. through their stories. And, you know, we had some kids and, you know, thought we were going to move back to California and decided, nope, we're staying here in Florida and we're Florida lifers now. So amazing. that's a quick overview. Of no, everything. that's great. That's great. So how did you guys uh, cross paths? Was it at RTS or... 
I think, I mean, I remember playing basketball one time with you, like, you know, but it, we, we weren't, we didn't, so I think we knew who each other were. Yeah. You know. Must have had something to do with that as the only girl on the basketball court. That might have been why I stood out a little bit. Could that, be memorable. Yeah, and that Caleb is 6'4". Well, yeah. and then we Caleb's looked up at, like, we looked up in the basketball gym and we said, like, who's Cone? Oh, that's Kelly Cone, and she has all the assist records, and she has all these, like, <laughs> so we were playing in her gym, and we looked up and, like, oh, she can play. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, she's got all the records good. up there. Yeah, so we didn't really know each other, but then after school, Mike and I... um we started working, you know, together at the same clinic and we started to build a relationship that way. And then from there, you know, Becky and Kelly started to make a relationship as well. And then we both had three kids and, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, and I think really, as I think about our relationship too, like the four of us, I think of the four of us and yeah. I think about really like we've walked through a lot of different things, you know, in our relationships, you know, wonderful things, difficult things, but we've really work through things, you know, as families and and talk through things and help raise kids together and, you know, done life together over the last, I don't know, how many years? Gosh, are we at like 17 or some, Hmm, some long amount of time? No, I guess we met like and I were at 15, so probably around 15 years. Yeah. Because just after we got married, I think you guys started working together. Um, And it's it's a story of like, that's how friendships kind of work, right? Like, you guys meet at work and then they get to know each other and as opposite as you two are they clicked Hmm. and then from there you know once you start having kids at the same time yeah you know and then luckily we started producing some at the same time so (laughs) they could become friends which has been really important so So that that's just further connection as families it really and gracie and lacy to this day i mean i was i've gracie i mean i can remember justice at 18 months and Gracie being born and Justice throwing a ball on her head and then Lacey coming out. And, and the, we have pictures of those girls since they're itty bitty and they're just, you know, hanging out like two days ago, just mm. seamlessly hanging out now like these young women. Um, and so in the same with our sons, they're really similar. They're, you know, kind of just rambunctious and mm. we usually have to tell them to stop climbing on things or hitting things or something like that. Yeah. But it, that has been probably one of the know, greatest joys is watching family make friends at so many different levels, you know, mm. that there's so much crossover um, in the relationship. And so the, the Sheila Innocence is just kind of the development out of parenting together. Because when you parent together, you worry about the same things together. Mm. And you have to, you're like, hey, what are you doing about this? And what are you doing about this? And so Sheila Innocence is really me and Becky and Caleb and Mike and all of us going through problems together mm. and going, these are the things that we're thinking about. And so it's it really the fruit of that friendship, if it's anything else. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, and that's a great connection to my next question, which was going to be, so you guys are family friends. You're, you've been friends for years. And so then how would you describe the emergence of Shielding Innocence, how it came about? So it sounds like we, we started to get there. Would you, Caleb, would you add anything to that? Or Kelly, would you say anything else about that? Yeah, I think it's really a nexus between, you know, exactly what Kelly's talking about of like, we... Um, you know, a family friendship on so many different levels. Our kids are friends. We're friends. The four of us are friends. We all, gosh, we were making dinner the other night together, like just all hanging out, you know, and just enjoying one another. But then there's also the therapeutic side of things. And on the therapeutic side of things, you know, Kelly and I have, gosh, since for me, 2005, I graduated, you were 2001. 2001. 
2002. 2002. And so... I like, I like to point out I've been counseling longer than he has. <laughs> just that's fun. important. But I let her know that I've seen more hours because I'm crazy with the amount of hours <laughs> that I see. But... Um, but the re- I think the reality too is like we see a lot of trauma, and mm-hmm. you know it's always a weird thing to say, but we enjoy helping people that have been sexually abused, um, and I enjoy it because I get to see I get a front row seat of seeing like how Jesus redeems you know the trauma, mm-hmm. and so I love you know being a part of that. But then also when you see, for me, you see a woman that has gone through decades of trauma and pain and the, the, the aftermath of being so badly burned, you know, by sexual abuse. And then looking at my kids and saying, oh, my gosh, I do not want this to happen to my kids. Mm-hmm. How do I stop it? Yeah. And so taking that knowledge and, you know, helping, you know, helping people on the other side and saying, gosh, how can we make something preventative? You yeah. know, how can we keep sexual harm and sexual abuse from happening? Yeah. Um, I think the thing for me I would add is um, I am one of the women who has uh, faced having to heal from sexual abuse and mm. sexual assault. And so there's a real um, like personal desire uh, to see um, as much as I can participate in helping parents become aware of the angles that a perpetrator takes that might be surprising because mm. that's how it worked out for me. I just think parents want to know that. Yeah. Um, we love our kids. And and so I think my story and my own harm helps me go, if, if I could take this for my own kids, mm. um, that would be a great use of what the Lord has done. So mm. he's done a lot of personal healing, but to expand that to many people would be um, would be a celebration, you know, and, and a continued celebration of the work of Christ. Mm. So I've heard some of these before, but I know you guys would know them off the top of your head. What, what kind of statistics are we talking about when it comes to um, the likelihood, uh, the potential of our children being harmed in this way? Well, the statistics vary, and you know it's widely recognized that sexual abuse, sexual harm, is underreported. Mm. And so, because of that, you know that you know it's widely recognized that hey, we think that everybody thinks that the that the, that the statistics are. That's <laughs> can good. I say that? Recovery. <laughs> Thank you. Are higher than they actually are. So you know, for women, they say one in three women. Mm. For um, men, one in five men have been sexually abused. And part of what they begin to talk about as well is that if it's going to happen before the age of 18, 63% of the time it happens before age 11. Mm. So a lot of times what we think about is like, hey, we got to get to, you know, we got to get to the middle school years and have the talk and get that. And, we, you know, that's when we really got to start to protect them because that's when they become sexual. The reality is like, hey, if it's going to happen, it happens before age 11 and we've got to start, you know, a lot earlier. Mm. So those those are some of the st- the statistics. I cannot say that <laughs> that I think about. Um, yeah, and the so one of the things we do in Shielding Innocence is that although we talk about sexual abuse, we also have a, a larger umbrella term, sexual harm. Mm. That meaning anything that harms a child against the intent of God. Mm. And so when we think of that, we have all kinds of things I think we're facing as parents, whether it's um, internet access or um, texting or conversations or topics, um, accidental or intentional. And then you have the worst case of, and so the sexual abuse Caleb is talking about is 
the highest and the worst end that you can imagine. Um, but there's lots of other variations. And so I think part of our heart has been, and we don't just want to prevent sexual abuse. We want to create conversation hmm. where children feel safe. And Caleb says this all the time, to ask us anything and to get an honest answer. Mm-hmm. So not only does that work to prevent sexual abuse, but then in the harms that come and the incidents that come up, then you're building a relationship where your child goes, I can go to my parents to talk about that. Mm. And that's a, that's what's awesome about that is that builds intimacy with your child and that prevents sexual abuse. I mean, you get two for one there. Mm-hmm. That's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that both of us really believe in and are passionate about. That's good. Well, let's let's stay on that topic for a second and I'll ask a more specific question. So as as counselors but but also as teachers, as facilitators and designers of this course. And you've been how long have you guys been doing this? I know there's been some iterations. Yeah, the last 3 years basically. Yeah, lots and lots of time and all types of of uh what else would you say besides time? Time, effort, blood, sweat, tears. That's all true, right? Yeah, and I I think also just working out, you know, figuring out like creating the product, you know, creating the materials, you know, working through like how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this together? Working mm-hmm. how are we going to present this? What, you know, stubbing our toes and making mistakes and saying, "Oh, that wasn't that really great." And we've gone through a huge process of editing as well to like make it shorter and make it more concise and yeah. more, you know, the, like we've gone through a lot of those different things. Maybe one of the biggest things is hope. Mm. Like when you're in a project and when you start it you're like this is going to change the world, you know? And then, and then it's like, well, who's going to hear it? How are we going to do it? And all of that. And it takes hope. It's like, Mm. okay, Jesus. And he has, I mean, I'm consistently said every time I'm like, is it going anywhere? Mm. And I've just felt him intervene through both of us of like, yes, this is what I have for you. And so Mm -hmm. I think for me, it has taken um, the hope that because it takes all that blood sweat, but you have to have hope of like what mm. you're after and yeah. all of this. And it is to um, to take good hearted parents and put something in their hands where they're like, I can do this. And mm. I feel I feel less scared. I think that's what we all want as parents. Mm-hmm. I know that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. I want to be able to talk to my children and not be freaking out inside. And I want to not be scared when the mm. tough time comes. And I'm scared all the time. I was scared yeah. yesterday, mm. you know, but to be able to have you know, a way to talk to my kids about things. I mean, I don't know a parent that doesn't really want that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how have you guys, as you've gone through these iterations, come to articulate uh, what it is that you hope that people will, will receive that they'll walk away with? Well, I go back to, I mean, I think about a little bit of my, my story. I, I, I don't know, this is like four or five years ago. And somebody asked me to go to a school and, you know, talk to their kids about sex. They were middle schoolers. And I accepted and I really had no business accepting that. But, like, I went there and I was freaked out Mm -hmm. because I was walking in talking to these middle schoolers about sex. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Should I say this? Should I not say this? Am I harming them? Am I not harming them? I was just freaked out. Mm -hmm. And so what Shielding Innocence has done for me personally is, like, it's really helped me. I've had to think through personally, how am I going to talk to my kids about this? Mm. How am I going to talk to them about sexual talks? How am I going to talk to them about sex in general? Like what, like what do I even believe? Mm. And so as I've gone through the process of developing the material for shielding innocence, like, and as we've done that together, like 
it's really given me like uh, a sense of like, hey, I really believe in this. It's given me a sense of confidence. It's, it's empowered me with my kids. It's helped me feel comfortable to having some difficult conversations with my kids. And, you know, and really and the other, on the other side of it, like I've seen it work. I've seen it like, oh, they're really comfortable having these conversations. They're really attached to us in these areas. And I think that's really what I would hope for people listening to it is they begin to say, hey, I'm I'm empowered. I have a sense of safety. I have a confidence in where I can go. Mm. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be scared. Mm. But at the same time, like I have a direction and I have an idea of what I can do with this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be almost impossible to add anything. That's that's really good. I I know that what we want is for parents to feel like they can do this in a place they've been scared. They're now less scared. I always say we'll do the hard work so our kids don't have to do it. And mm. so we'll be scared and uncomfortable and deal. And I think that's our job. And if we do that, then they are less scared and then they can be kids and get appropriate information and guidance at the appropriate age. And again, that's what my hope is and what the bonus is, is that that's preventative of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. That's the cool thing about the gospel. Mm -hmm. What's preventative is like intimacy, closeness, truth with our children. Like that sounds like something Jesus would want for Mm -hmm. us. And that's what's preventative. So I just am like the sexual abuse portion is the benefit of becoming closer and more comfortable with your children in difficult topics. Yeah, That's just... That's like, I keep going back. That's two for one. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? that's right. It is a good deal. As you guys have done this over the past years, what are some of the scariest questions that parents find? <laughs> um, well, we're just, gosh, if that's the scariest question, I mean, I think the scariest question and the one that I have not known, you know, that I've, it, it's really helped me figure out, but the scariest one has been about masturbation and what do mm. we do with that? And there's so many different views on that and we get into that in the shielding innocence, you know, conference, but like figuring out like, Hey, what do I believe in this? And how do I help my kids as they're engaging in that? And, you know, because, you know, a lot of kids do masturbate. And so Mm -hmm. like, you know, I didn't expect that question. Is that all? Well, I just love that. Now I know you've been honest the whole time. (laughs) You you just went for it. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I think that's, that's been one of the things, you know, just wrestling through like, Hey, and now coming to the place, you know, like, Hey, this is what I really believe. This is what, you know, Mm -hmm. this, and I feel confident in, you know, what I can, you know, offer to parents when it comes to discussing those things. Um, I think for me, when a parent comes up afterwards and says, Hey, this happened. I didn't think that was a big deal. What is that? And their eyes are filled with tears. Mm-hmm. And, um, or I'm not, I'm not sure why my child is doing this. This seems not age appropriate. Can you? And so it's, it's when the material has um, brought up possible harm. Um, mm. And, and although I am, although it's, I am glad for them to, to move into whatever their child may need it's that look mm. on parents' face and um, and knowing that there's some difficult answers, you know, for them to look at. And that's that's been a hard a hard part of it, you know. Well, I think one of the things, just adding on to that, I think of that, that woman, you know, that was at one of our conferences and she was hearing stuff and she realized, she realized in the middle of the conference, like, oh, my gosh, I've been sexually abused. Mm. And, you know, she's back in the bathroom sobbing yeah. and... You know, she's she's a mom and she's here to help her kids, but she's, you know, just she's in that realization. 
Mm. We'll say just probably the mom in me as as we talk about these things. I thought that's why the churches that we have worked with have um, each one of them a pastoral care team, Mm -hmm. um, pastors and people willing. So even though that's difficult for me, what's difficult for me about that is I'm only playing one component, right, of of teaching at that point. I'm not a therapist in that moment. I'm delivering the information. But when when churches host this, and I think New City is a great example in the cathedral, is there will be pastors for you to go to. There'll be follow-up for you. So I we wouldn't do it without there being avenues of care yeah. afterwards. And so I want to say that to say, like, there's then some place for you to go to healing, because we wouldn't bring it up if we didn't think God didn't have good purposes for that pain, you mm-hmm. know, redemption, you know, for each of us. Yeah, that's good. So on the other side, what are some of the most common questions that you guys <clears throat> receive? Um, dads uh, have questions about, you know, um, cuddling and, and, and touching their their daughter, especially as they um, move from that little girl body to the older body, mm. and the daughter kind of pulls away and they feel awkward. And so I've you know, gotten questions around that area. Um, a lot of the questions um, we've gotten about when do you, kind of on the younger side, uh, when do you stop um, bathing with or dressing in front of the other gendered parent? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of questions around kind of. And then how do you have a talk about body safety? You know, do you do that two or three? What does that sound like? And so um, what do I do if I have, I go to the seminar and I haven't done any of that. I haven't talked to them at all. And Mm -hmm. how do I retroactively start to have conversations? And so those generally, I think, are the areas that we field a lot of the questions. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, I would just add to one of the things, you know, even the last conference we did, just think, you know, woman coming up and saying, I haven't done any of this and you know, I want to start doing this and like, how do I start now that, you know, that I haven't, you know, done these types of things and I've received a need for those and how do I start doing those types of things? You know, so we get questions along that, along those lines. Yeah. And so for you guys, even if you haven't thought about it like this yet, we can just talk about it. How would you, if you imagine yourself, how would you want people to feel whenever they leave this weekend? Well, I would want them to feel. <laughs> oh, we know this question. Yeah, okay. we know this question. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, God's working on me in this a little bit, but you know, like I used to want to scare the heck out of them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I mean, I, and I think in you know, defense for good purposes. Yes, for good purposes. Always, I mean, always I, for good purposes. That's right. I know you, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I mean, I like I, you know, so. Although, you know, Kelly's, you know, really helped me in this and that, like, I want them to feel empowered. I want them to have a plan. I want them to be able to, you know, think through like, hey, this, I know now what to do when my nine-year-old begins to ask me, you know, questions about, you know, your, their parents' sexuality and how they're sexual with one another. I want them to be able to know how to do, to handle those types of things. So I want them to feel empowered. But I also want, you know, them to have a healthy, healthy respect for how evil wants to come after your children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we can glibly say like, hey, we just, you know, we have our kids in private school or, you know, we, you know, have boundaries around them and those boundaries are going to keep us safe. And Kelly's always saying how right rules don't, you know, keep our children safe. And so I do want an awakening for them to begin to say, 
hey, I can't just implement right rules and make sure that all my kids are safe. Like mm-hmm. we really do have to work on our connection and we have to work on our conversations in regards to sex. And I hope they feel empowered in that realm. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how would I want them to leave the conference, right? Yeah, feeling right. Feeling. If if on fire is a feeling. Um, <laughs> I and, like it. I like that. Um, <laughs> Um, I would but say, in a good way. always in yeah, a good way, in a good way. but like, um, <laughs> on fire in the sense of like, whoa, this is a lot of great information. What do I do with it for my kids? Usually one half of the team is there cause the other one is watching the kids and they're like, I can't wait to go tell my spouse about this. So mm-hmm. on fire in sense of yeah. plan implementation, um, for parenting, mm-hmm. that's one. Um, but also on fire for their community. So, like at this conference, not everybody from the church is going to be there, but both of these churches really believe in and care about this issue for their congregants. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be sitting side by side by people who care too. And then to be on fire to go, I got to go tell so-and-so who can make it about what I found out. And then we create um, not just safe families, but safe churches. Mm-hmm. And we create safe churches. And then people who do not come to church go, well, maybe I don't want to go to church, but those Christians... They really know what they're doing when it comes to sex and mm-hmm. sexual abuse prevention. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of on fire that yeah. I think is like a vision for um, the gospel um, yeah. in this area. Yeah. That's really good. I like that on fire. We feel on fire. <laughs> so it sounds to me like the conference is information. We talked about this, but there's also a lot of practical next steps like, hey, here's some best practices. Here's some principles um, is that true? Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're going to walk away, you know, with, with a lot of different things. You're going to walk away with like, how do you engage your child's emotions? How do you, you know, help them to be able to tell stories? Like you're going to be able to, you know, Kelly takes them through and I do a little bit at the end, but like we go through every stage. Here's what you do between zero and two. Here's what you do between three and five. Here's mm-hmm. what the issues are. So we, we do that all the ways up to age 13, and so you're going to come away with a lot of practical things um, that are going to, you know, are going to be able to empower you as a parent. But I think you're also going to come away with some things that maybe you haven't thought about. Yeah. And some just some practical ways, you know, to like, hey, how does a um, and maybe you could talk about that, like the, you know, the gender blessings and those types of things. I mean, you're going to come away with some of those things. Yeah. So I would say you'll number one walk away with um, how sexual, uh, how a predator would pick a child so you'll know why you're doing what you're doing. Hmm. Um, You'll know when a child has a certain emotion, what the action step is to take to meet that emotion. Hmm. You'll know um, why you may struggle to take that action step and ways to overcome that. That would keep Hmm. you from doing that. You're going to be able to identify things that in your boy or in your girl might be need areas that Hmm. they need a little bit more from mom or dad and what those might be, and then how to do that. One of the breakout sessions there is going to be creating and thinking of your child, what kind of blessing Mm -hmm. they need specifically for their gender. And then you're going to know, like Kayla was saying, what questions to ask and what you want to do. It's all building so that you know why you're doing, what you're going to do, and that you feel like you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so we're very intentional about that, to go from big picture to kind of what do I really do in my family. The only caveat or maybe addition, I would say, is that we know each child is different and each family is different. So you're going to take that information and go, well, what about my kid? Mm -hmm. Because I always said, like, never I read those books about how your baby's supposed to sleep at night. 
Mm-hmm. I always thought those are none of those are my babies. So any general information we get about our kids, we always have to go my situation, my child, my child's needs, my child's special needs, my mm-hmm. home special needs, and so there's always that integration we're doing with the information. Yeah, that was so great. It should be on a podcast, you know. Seriously, <laughs> let's put, let's pod that out. Joey. Yeah, seriously. So, how would you encourage those parents or people who care about this topic who will be there? But I think actually my question will be more specific to parents. How would you encourage them if they're listening now to prepare uh, to come? Uh, what are they thinking? Uh, is there a way to prepare or do they just show up? Yeah, I think, you know, one, I think asking Christ, you know, and just beginning to open your heart to, to Christ, like, hey, what do you want me to hear? Um, and, you know, so just you know, just going to the Lord and just saying, hey, Lord, what do you want me to learn here? Mm-hmm. But I think um, part of what we ask, you know, parents to do is to be able to reflect on themselves, to be, mm-hmm. a, be able to reflect on their own stories um, so that they can be able to, um, you know, to, they can be able to talk to their kids and their story doesn't get in the way. They don't project their own story onto their kids. So yeah. if they wanted to, they could begin to reflect on, you know, their sexual history, their sexuality. I think what they could do, you know, even beginning to reflect on their child, their individual's child, mm-hmm. like where they are as far as their sexual development is concerned, um, what kind of questions they're beginning to ask, and just beginning to reflect on those types of things in preparation for the conference. That's good. I would probably just add, uh, bring a friend. Mm. If you wanted to prepare, I would say, um, if if what Caleb just described sounds in some way like outside of your wheelhouse or outside of what you're really familiar with, that's really okay. Um, come by yourself. That's, yes, come and, and, and enter in into the conversation, do that. But if you can bring a friend or a spouse, someone that you're like, we're going to sit side by side mm-hmm. and, and do this together, um, you're going to build friendship, um, family friendship uh, while you take the conference. And, and there's nothing like having somebody that you know you know, when you're trying to do something new. Yeah. Well, and I think also because of the, I love what you just said, because of, you know, because of the vulnerability of that, like it's also, um, you know, there's some safety there and just being able to talk about these things and being able to process somebody with somebody that you really feel safe with. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Well, I, do you guys have any last thoughts? I'd love to leave it up to you. Don't feel any pressure. I would just say I'm looking forward to, you know, meeting you guys there this, you know, gosh, what is it, April? And yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. And, yeah, looking forward to that and just looking forward to seeing what God does and being a part of your journey as you, you know, help engage your kids. Mm. I think for me as a mom, whenever I say yes to something that takes a lot of my time, um, there's a huge debate in my brain. Like, can I get be gone? Like, should I do it? There's just always the, at least for me and my family and my friends, uh, the debate. And so I think if I was to say anything, is like, you you will be glad that you came. Um, and I know that we all are so busy um, just watching Damien and Caleb trying to find a time to hang out. It took them like an hour <laughs> to find a date. Story of our lives. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it will pay dividends. The investment of time in it. I know that's a hard one. So that's just my call out. Like it'll be worth it. I know it's not easy, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Come on out. I think that's good. I think that word investment is is very tangible. You know, it's expensive to to give this time and 
but but to to reframe it as this is an investment um, for for myself, my own reflection, for my parenting, for uh, my children, for my friends' children, and and everyone else that God would call us to engage and look out for in this area. So. Thank you guys for joining the conversation. I look forward to being with you then. Thank you. It's been great to be here. It's been fun. It really has. It's really our privilege. Good. Awesome. Thank you.